Pulp MX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first, let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX wrap-up show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulp Mex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. You let uh, Darkside you know, promote the Moto X pod show, so I appreciate yeah, you letting me yeah. promote my little side gig. Uh, I'm a big fan of that, that, pod he, that pony pod he does. <laughs> All right, welcome back to another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. Tonight, my guests are brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires from Racer X, Kellen Brower. What's up, Kellen? Hey, Darkside. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Doing great. Uh, excited to hear your thoughts on your boss, Weege, in studio. But before we get to that, let's get to our other guest, brought to you by Seal Savers, uh, the owner of Seal Savers, Mr. Mason Mills. How's it going, Darkside? It's going Thanks good, man. back on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to have you guys. Tonight, I'll be brought to you by Guts Racing. We'll do sponsor reads and all that good stuff here in just a little bit. So we're here tonight to talk about episode 445, 
Jason Wygant in studio, Tim Cotter, Martin Davalos, Phil Nicoletti, Colt Nichols all on the line, and of course, Jason Thomas always joins. Um, I, I absolutely love this show. We just not in studio very often, but I thought it was fantastic. Kellen, as you know, working with Weeds, knowing him as well as you do, what'd you think? I really liked it as well, and I feel like, uh, and being on the show before, we've talked a little bit about the dynamic between JT, Weeds, and Steve that they have on their post-race uh, review pods, and I, I love when they have either Weeds or JT in studio because that kind of camaraderie and friendship that they have carries into the show, and I feel like elevates the show as well. So having Weeds in studio was great because they were bantering with each other. Both of them know each other very well, so they can kind of dig into each other's histories a little bit and kind of pull some fun stuff out. Uh, so I like it because I honestly get to hear some things about each other that normally I don't even hear talking to Weege on a daily basis. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, Mason, how about you? You like Weege as a guest? Yeah, Weege is awesome. He's uh, very entertaining. His stories are incredible. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he does the way, what he does, but... I really enjoy listening to what he has to say. I love how much those guys retain. Uh, I wish my brain was wired that way for all those details. Um, I was just talking to uh, my my producer, DJ TJ, a little bit ago. We were working on some things, and we were talking about Monday's show and Weege, and, and TJ is a huge, huge Weege fan. Uh, TJ's very cheap like Weege. He relates. A little bit of an odd character at times. Um, and he was talking about, like, I, I just wish Weege – could be in every week, kind of like Watson used to be. I had, I thought, like, we all love the review shows with JT and Weege and Steve together. We talked about that. But, Kellen, do you think if that was something that could happen, if Weege was in every week, that it would lose some of its excitement, its luster? I, it, uh, maybe, because I feel like uh, when Watson left the show and Mathis started bringing in rotating co-hosts, it it did add a little bit more to the show in a sense because you didn't have the same opinions or rants or whatever that Watson gave every week. But I almost wonder if that would be refreshing to have someone like Weege in every week because while Mathis can buff on some of his rants and <laughs> do some of the things that he likes to do, Weege can almost bring the more professional angle. Like they even talked at the beginning of the show about uh, there was a, a show they had to do in 2012 at A1 or something like that where. Uh, they were literally told that Weed's going to be the professional and Mathis is going to be the crazy off the wall <laughs> yeah, guy. So that yeah. relationship that, that the two could have might actually make the show very enjoyable to listen to every single week. Yeah, I think for me, Mason, that I would – I personally like the rotating co-host. I wish Weege was in a lot more than he is. What do you think about it? What do you think about the rotating co-host versus having two full-time co-hosts? I like the rotating co-host, but I also like how Keeper's in there consistently. It would yep. be cool to have Weeds in there or on there regularly. I don't know about every week, but definitely more often than he is now. Totally agree. All right, like I said, episode 445, uh, somewhat of a short show. Ended a little bit before midnight my time, so uh, I don't have the total hours, but I think it was under five hours, which is rare. I'm sure Tits was a little jealous, but guys, um, you guys – do you get to a point when you're listening, like, I was exhausted Monday night. It had been a long, long weekend. I was barely staying awake for the end of this thing. So I was I was kind of glad, to be honest. Uh, how about you, uh, Mason? Do you ever get to a point where you're like, all right, I kind of wish it was a little shorter, or do you go, I wish it was longer? 
Uh, yeah, there's definitely episodes where I wish it were shorter. This one, to be honest with you, I wish was longer. I wish we got to hear uh, a couple more of the weed stories that we didn't get to cover at the end there. The ex-girlfriend uh, story. Yeah, I was really looking forward to hearing that, but that didn't happen. So hopefully he'll come back on and let us know. Um, but yeah, I wanted a little bit more with this one. I thought it was super easy to listen to, and it seemed to go by really quickly for me anyway. Yeah, I should clarify. Like I loved it. Typically, I would have liked to have gone longer, Kellen, but just because I was so tired. And I, I, at this point in time, I have to finish them on Monday nights if I'm going to be able to get my, my audio pulled and notes ready. There's no other way around it. So I was, it was just that particular night. I was dying for it to be over. But uh, how about you? Yeah, I agree with Mason that uh, for this particular show, I wish we could have heard the stories or maybe this one went a little bit longer. And that sometimes, yeah, there are guests in, in studio or maybe uh, they just have a certain type of guest on the phone that it, it makes the show a little kind of more stale and then you kind of feel like it's dragging on once it gets to that four-hour mark. But this one just felt more natural to me where everything was kind of flowing. They were having good stories and chats and stuff like that. So I would have liked this one to go longer, but... I also agree that sometimes the show can run a little bit long. All right. Well, let's get into, uh, again, we talked about Weege being a guest. Let's listen to his intro. My co-host, the man in the co-captain's chair, all night long, all the way from the East Coast. He's here. He's the voice of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships. He's the voice of Flat Track. He's the voice of intro, intro team intros. He is the voice of Geneva Supercross. He's the voice of Enduro Cross. He's the, he was the voice of GNCC. He was the voice of Quad ATV MX. Still. Still. Yeah. We're good. Jason Wigan, everybody. Yeah. What's up, man? Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for coming in. Hey, man. I'm just here to soak up as many checks as I can. Mm-hmm. I hope no one that is involved with the KTM factory effort knows or listens. They probably don't listen to the Nobody time, right? listens. No. Nope. So they don't know yep. I'm here. Yeah. Because I am flying to the West Coast to host their team intro for Red Bull KTM tomorrow morning. Yes. Which is four hours away in California. Uh-huh. So I do not want them to know that I'm here. Yeah. Because I have to be there real early right. and I have to drive through the desert all night to get there. So hopefully no one at KTM is aware. They don't listen. Though, I, so. I don't think they listen. Yeah. Um, what what I think is, is funny is, look, you're, you're a great announcer. You're better at this stuff than I am. You're, you know, you're more professional than I am. All of that it's stuff. It's all true, right, yes. Right, But I wonder, like, I never, never get the call for this kind of stuff. And again, your better choice, but maybe you're busy, or maybe someone wants somebody local, or maybe I never mm. get a call from anyone important to do anything important. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, racking I, my brain yeah. to think of multiple teams, multiple years, product launches, brand this, sponsorship that. Yes. Yeah, I cannot think of a single time. Our buddy Dave Brosick uh, in Florida hit me up for a dealer signing one time. Oh, okay. He said, do you want to do a dealer signing? Uh, We just busy at another one. That was how he said. Because they had two shops. Okay. Yes. So I was the second choice to you. Yeah. And then he said, we can only pay you like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I was like, I'm out. So Mason, uh, great intro for Weege. Started off the show with fire. Uh, Steve kind of forgot that didn't, forgot that Weege is still the voice of quads, but that's all right. Little, little blood, uh, blunder there but the other part of this right with weeds doing all these intros and steve kind of jokingly wondering why he's not getting the call uh do you think there's anything to that anything to why these guys aren't calling steve no i think a lot of it has to do with we is just the voice of the sport in a lot of ways i mean you watch motocross on tv you hear it you listen to pulp mx like the, the you know the um 
uh, race review pods and whatnot, you hear his voice. He's announcing pretty much any <laughs> off-road sport that we all kind of tune into. So he's just kind of the voice of it. Yeah, I agree. He's kind of the, the face of our sport to a large degree. Even like even when we think of Supercross sometimes, Kellen, at least for me, like even though he doesn't announce, Weege's face still comes to mind when I think about uh, Supercross coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And and to the point that Mason was making there, I mean, at the KTM intro, which we were at there yesterday, uh, we just didn't introduce himself as, hi, I'm Jason Wygant from Race Rex. He introduced himself as, I'm Jason Wygant from NBC Sports. So that has more weight to a manufacturer like KTM or any other that wants to have an intro where they have, you know, all these uh, different team personnel come to this intro and instead of just having some janky guy that hosts a, a media show or is a media guy on a website, it's yeah. literally the guy that, that calls our sport and it and it adds a lot more weight to it. Like not to discredit Mathis or anything like that. Like he obviously does a great job with pulp and building all that, but he's still in this very little niche window of our sport where we're all super fans of him obviously, but he is really just kind of this you know, Monday night guy that we all go to for information. And I don't think many of the, the big wigs of uh, the industry and other things like that want that to be portrayed. Yeah, but do you think, okay, so you, you, you made the mention that he's sort of the, Steve, is like this niche thing. I feel like that's starting to change a little bit as Supercross starts to allow him to do you know, they, be a part of the live shows on uh, in the pits with Fly Racing. Uh, he's done Race Day Live. Like, these things are evolving. Do you see a time where Steve is doing these intros, if he actually wants to, as long as they pay more than $100, if that's something he actually wants to do? Uh, I mean, I could see a team. Let's say a team like, let's say Bobby Hewitt comes back around, like we're, we're going to talk about later with a rumor, and wants to do an introduction. I could see somebody like that reaching out to, uh, to Mathis. Kellen? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that um, he is building himself up a lot in the industry as the years go by as someone that is a, a reputable person to bring to these events for sure. And even so, on the show this week, they were talking about how uh, – you know, he was called for the Supercross preview show, and, like, he was talking about rocks and a couple other things. And that is starting to happen more often. You know, he's in Motorola Spy. He ends up on the preview shows for Supercross, like you're talking about with all the things that he's doing in the pits as well. I think that, um, you know, the, the people at Feld, obviously the people at MX Sports, they know what they're going to get with Mathis, and that's growing his, his brand more and more as the years go on because, they're they're putting him out there. They're they're letting him do more things. And I I agree. I think that a, a team like Bobby Hewitt, if he starts something new, or these littler teams like the one that Alex Barton just joined that merge racing Man, uh, Rock River Yamaha yep. program, they they if they do something, I could totally see them calling up Mathis as well. I just think that for the time being, especially in this situation with COVID, there's just not a lot of intros or things going on. And Weege being kind of the face of the sport that he is is getting the call obviously a lot more often. Yeah, and he, you know, he's got to make that money. He, he, you know, pay he, you, you pay. I'll say, Mason. This show, this time of year, very, very heavily season, silly season based. Tons of stuff that was discussed. Was there anything, Mason, that stood out to you with the discussion? Uh, we're going to listen to some audio in just a moment. But what what stood out to you with all the silly season talk? Uh, I think I was the most caught off guard by Baggett uh, not going back next year. That kind of caught me by surprise toward the end of the show. 
Um, but uh, honestly, the talk about the silly season is really fun and, and entertaining to listen to. And one of the best parts about Pulp is the speculation, and that's what they did a lot of um, this week and have been over the last couple of weeks since the season ended. Yeah, let's listen to that. A new team was just announced today, about two hours ago. Yeah. Has one of your favorite riders on. Yeah, yeah. Alex Martin yeah. is now on the Manluck. Yep. Uh, Merge. Merge. Rock River. Rock River yeah. team on a Yamaha. Yeah. Tickle is in. Hill is out at Moto mm-hmm. Concepts. Uh, Savachi is in. Baggett is out at the Rocky Mountain ATV you're, KTM You're reporting team. this right now. You're just yes. saying it as fact. Yes. Okay. Um, but the big news in the sport, uh, oh, uh, we're going to talk about Jet Lawrence going to A-Stars mm-hmm. and Red Bull, too, as well. Um, we're going to touch on that later on the show with, with Wygan here. But the big news of the week is uh, JGR Suzuki uh, folding up its tent. Uh, we lost Geico a month or so ago, Lo- losing JGR now. Uh, yeah, so a lot going on right now. We will definitely touch on JGR in a minute. Uh, but the, the Merge Racing Man Luck team, uh, that's a team that was fairly important to me because my buddies John Short, Ryder Floyd, both rode for them. Uh, I want to say Grant Harlan might have been on that team. I don't remember that that's for sure. Um, but, you know, John is without a spot at the moment. I thought Ryder was still riding for them, and he may be. I haven't heard. But that was very surprising to me, Kellen. I, when he said that, I was like, did he? Did I, did I hear that right? And, like, I had to go back because I didn't catch him say, I didn't hear the merge, man luck, Rock River part. I missed the Rock River part. So then when he kept t- talking later about Rock River, I was like, what What am I? I'm somewhere I screwed up, didn't catch it. So I was all discombobulated all night long with that whole thing. But that's a big deal, man. And um, what do you think about all that? What's the biggest part to you? You know, Hill not signing, MCR, all those details. Uh, what what stood out to you the most Monday night with all the silly season talk? Uh, well, what stood out to me, and, and you probably noticed this because we were in the YouTube chat dark side, was that a lot of people wanted to know what the heck happened with Blake Baggett because yep. Mathis had just skimmed right on by it. And uh, and then went, they went right into the JTR discussion. And, you know, like the, the Tickle thing was pretty much already public at that point. The Man Luck uh, uh, Rock River merge team had already also been kind of announced as well, but the tickle or the, the I'm sorry the Baggett and Savachi situation was completely hidden until he said it right there pretty much. And I remember everybody on the YouTube chat was like, "Hold up, like rewind, what did he <laughs> yeah, say? Like, yeah. Yeah. like get somebody to say something about that." So I think that was kind of the biggest news, and still is kind of the biggest news this week is what the heck? Like, what? Why is Baggett out? Why is Savachi? And how did this team? get to this point, um, and then obviously they, they dove into the JGR discussion, but I think that one was the one that, that everybody really wanted to hear more of, and we had to wait kind of four hours for them to get all the way back to it by the end of the evening. Right, yeah, he did circle back at the end, and I, I had talked to Blake at Loretta's, the first Loretta's, and it was very clear he wasn't happy with something going on, uh, some drama, and, and it you know, we've kind of hearing rumors that there's some still some stuff going on, and and he's not a guy that likes drama. He doesn't like the business side of the sport. Uh, I think he told me like he's ready to be done with the sport. Uh, he wants to go do something else. You know, I think work with his his dad and, and work with heavy equipment. He loves that. So I I don't know what's going on. I haven't got a response yet. What he's going to do for sure, but it was definitely big news. Uh, Mason, I think you started to ask us or say something a moment ago. 
to be honest with you, I wasn't sure if you're going to me or Kellen on that last. Oh, question. I apologize. Um, okay, well, how about what do you think about the? They talked about Justin Hill not signing the contract. Uh, Tony Alessi said, "Hey, he had a contract or it was ready, and he wouldn't. He never signed it." And, you know, then Hill just didn't sign it. Uh, they called him, like, Alden Snow from Get Him to the Greek. That was a pretty funny reference if you guys have seen that movie. Uh, Justin Hill's just a, a different kind of guy. Mason, what do you think? Yeah, I can't imagine Tony Alessi being too pumped on him just sitting on that contract and then not showing up with it. I'd love to be a fly on the, on the wall when he showed up without it there and then sent home. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about – okay, we were talking about Baggett a second ago, and, and I kind of just thought of this. J- JT works for Fly, who sponsored, at least did sponsor Baggett. I don't know what that situation is right now. Fly sp- sponsored the Rocky Mountain team. And he talked about, like, he really, he was in a, in a tough spot there, Kellen. It's difficult sometimes. And we hear on the show sometimes w- with a guy like JT, who's professional also, besides just being media, makes it very difficult for him to give any info. But I felt like he did a pretty good job of giving his opinion. Yeah, I was uh, actually pleasantly surprised when they brought up the Savachi Baggett situation that uh, JT even said it is looking like it's going towards the Savachi uh, situation instead of Baggett because I thought for sure he would just be like, I'm out, I'm not touching that. Yeah. We've heard JT do that before where he's like, I just I can't even comment on this. This is too <laughs> close to me and, and things like that. So uh, it was nice that he at least touched on it, but you're right. I mean, in his situation – it is tough. Like he obviously does know a lot of things going on behind the scenes with that team and with riders that are, you know, wearing fly racing uh, gear. So when they're brought up, I feel like he almost like backs up two steps and is like, "Let me go at this from a much more business approach instead yep. of you know my my talking head approach." Normally, yeah, wearing both those hats it can't be easy. Um, you know, and it's funny. I get I get messages all the time of like, "Dark Side, do you know what's going on with Baggett, or do you know what this is?" And guys. 99% of the time, I'm getting my info just like you are from the Pulp Mech show. I, I am not that same kind of media guy where I'm texting and calling J-Bone and all these guys during the day. I, I have a real job. I don't have time for that. So, yeah, the best info I get is almost always from Steve and whoever he has on the show. That's why uh, a big part of why we listen, although I enjoy the banter a whole lot more, the, the ball-busting. And speaking of ball-busting, Mason, Randy Richardson – uh, one of our my favorite co-hosts anyway called in to to thank Steve for last week. You know how he I he I he I'm allowed to promote my show, so he was allowed to promote his uh, Teenier Citizen website and very thankful. Kind of gave Steve a little bit of a hard time, like, hey, let's play some more of those songs. Uh, do Do you love Randy as much as I do? Yeah, Randy was great, and I, I was cracking up when Steve was like, is there any more videos I need to know about? Because he, yeah. he was still so bitter. That was great. Okay, so speaking of that, did you watch last week, or did you just listen later? Mason. Uh, I went back to watch that part because I wanted to see what was really happening. So what do you think? How, on a scale, or on a, let's go uh, Angry Pie, on an Angry Pie, how, mu- how much percentage was Steve legitimately upset in your opinion oh man i think at least seven to eight and he's usually pretty mellow at a solid five so i think he was pretty heated in the moment what about you kellen what were you uncomfortable listening watching it it did get a little uncomfortable because it was like kind of sad to see that steve couldn't run with the joke like obviously randy was just trying to poke fun at it and 
and make light of the situation to a degree, and then Mathis was just like completely over it. Where yeah. when the tables are turned, Mathis does kind of drive a nail home every now and then, and uh, his guests or whoever he's doing it to kind of have to run with it. So that that more or less is what made it uncomfortable for me is that it just looked like the shoe was on the other foot and you kind of couldn't take it, I guess. But a lot of people I understand his frustration. A lot of people made those comments on YouTube, and then last week. Uh, I think Galdi made the point that Steve usually, a lot of times, takes a joke very well when it's against him. This situation, uh, I think it was Galdi. He said that you know that Steve kind of lost control of the show at that point, and that's where that's a line that Steve doesn't like crossed. I think I think he has a hard time with that. I noticed it at the live show. I think it was in Vegas last or yeah, nineteen maybe yeah nineteen. The live Vegas show, he kind of lost control when Davey Coombs and Marks played some videos that Steve didn't know, and he was clearly bothered. Um, but at the time, I was sort of feeling the same thing, too. That I was like, whoa, man, Steve isn't liking the joke against him. And then I thought, man, all he does is fuck with me. But, but when Galdi said that about losing control, I kind of stepped back and was like, yeah, that makes sense. This is his business. And, uh, you know, he, he was upset. So... I, I'm okay with it at this point. I was a little bit bummed that night that he w- wasn't taking it well. Um, but well, that was last also, week. Oh, go ahead. Also, if, if they were racing on, on Saturday, which I believe is when he, he went down, he was probably not too stoked on it that day, and then was with Kiefer and Randy for <laughs> all of the rest of that day, and yeah. then Sunday, and then all day Monday. So he's probably just been taking it all weekend long and was probably really over it by that point, too. That is true. He was probably, yeah, probably frustrated before the show ever even started. And he kind of talked about that last week with uh, Randy. Everything with Randy is a production. Like, I think he had had his, his time with Randy. I think he was ready for Randy to go home. So, but uh, let's get back to this show. Again, though, with Randy, kind of gave, gave Weege a little bit of crap, too, about not asking for the Michelin BMX tires, as he did myself. Although it sounds like Weege is going to get some and I'm still not, and come December 31st, Michelin may not be a part of the wrap-up show anymore. Randy, I, I mean, you tell me what i got to do. I, I love Michelin bicycle tires. I need them on board with the, uh, the Pulp MX wrap-up show. So please save me again. Um, yeah, come on, Randy. We'll talk. We'll talk off air. I'll make it, I'll make it up to you, buddy. Tim Cotter. How about uh, – I like Tim. Uh, I did, I've never met Tim Mason. He was a good guest. Good stuff about behind the scenes, what he's got going on now. What would you think? Yeah, I thought Tim was really informative. I didn't know anything about him. Um, and to be honest, when I read the lineup, I thought that that portion of it was going to be on the uh, slower, more boring side. But I actually found that to be one of the better interviews of the night. Nice. Um, really informative. He didn't really hold anything back. He was very open and honest about his thoughts on you know his own series, the other series. And I, I thought it was great. Yeah, and Kellen, it sounds like he, he is a busy man all the time. Lots going on. He talked about Loretta, Loretta, Loretta Lynn's schedule for next year, Minio's Racer TV, uh, you know, because Steve asked him what he does in the offseason, and we just kind of hinted at, like, the guy never slows down. Yeah, and, and I mean, we work fairly closely with Tim Cotter, obviously, at RacerX, so we, we get an understanding of what he has to go through. And, this year was particularly rough for him, obviously, with yeah. everything that happened and then having to change the regional schedule and condense that down to the super regionals and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to hear uh, his thoughts about how everything carried into that moment. And then what I really liked was we each kind of grilled him a little bit about a question that I've had a lot of interest in lately, which is a lot of these amateur teams or, or really the pro teams that have amateur-level influence want a 
uh, an amateur series, if you will, that comes to the nationals and these right. uh, young talents can be groomed by racing real pro motocross tracks, perhaps even on the same day as the pro motocross event. So the track is as rough and they, they get an idea of that. And I like that we grilled Cotter about it. Cotter said like, yeah, you know, we've heard a lot about this. We're looking at things that are happening in Europe and trying to learn from that. Uh, they're, they're talking about maybe going back to a two-day format as well, and not next year, but looking to it in the future. And I really like hearing that insight because that's something that not, you know, the general fan doesn't always get to hear that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff going on with what the MX Sports side of, of things is looking for or trying to do with their series to maybe enhance the amateur programs and get these riders uh, more prepared for when they make their pro debuts. Yeah, very good point. Uh, and like Mason said, when I saw the name, I – I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to hear this. But once I, I got to know him a little bit through the, the interview, I, I was very impressed. I really enjoyed it. Um, some, of the, some of the things he brought up, like you just mentioned, the, the possibility of a two-day format, like I got excited about that one. Um, but my favorite part of the Tim Cotter interview by far was this. We're going to be on NBC for another year, uh, at the, least. We, hopefully not we with the same announcer. Through. Hopefully not with the same announcer. I hope. You know, we are reviewing the announcing yeah. team. Yeah, um, I will. No question. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they are the the entire team is being reviewed. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> My demands yep. need to be met. Right. My oh, oh, oh you're, you're putting oh, yeah, it that yeah. way. I mean, I'm not an automatic. Oh, we'll be negotiating no, no, no. here. it. Yeah, he's spinning it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. G, GL is fine, but the but the 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 play by play guy, he's, he's great. He's, he's, he's the, terrible. The anchor guy. He's yeah, great. he tells guy. me about Geico one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna be cutting back on that. Yeah, we might be cutting back, back on, on that. that. Ouch, uh, <laughs> Mason. That was. Uh, I, I like to laugh when I listen to the Pulp Show. That's you know that's you know I'm not listening to it just for the news, just the serious stuff. I want to laugh and the ball busting. That that's still my favorite thing that goes on. Uh, so that that was my favorite part of the interview. Uh, we got to get rid of we got to get rid of, rid of weeds, but weeds turn the tables. Yeah, we just pretty quick on his feet and can uh, <laughs> uh, get people to uh, kind of join back onto his side. And like he saved Steve a couple times when he was kind of getting off the rails there, yeah. or stuttering over himself a couple times. So we just really good at that and really quick with the uh, commentating, announcing whatever it is. He's great. He is fantastic. Hey guys, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career. From Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and formerly JGR Suzuki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on many on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Thanks, Guts Racing, for coming back on board for 2021. Hopefully, we'll get Michelin Bicycle Tires back and uh, maybe Seal Savers. We'll talk about that in a little bit, maybe. Um, but, Mason, let's move on to Martin Davalos. I want to get, before we really get into his interview, I want to get your overall quick little description of what you think of Martin as an interviewee, Mason. I really liked it. He was very open. He was honest. And that's kind of all you can ask out of these guys, especially compared to some of these other ones that are so uh, mindful of what they say. I don't think he really held back anything. Yep. I think he led us right on into what, what he's going with and or what he's going through and experiencing and what's coming up for him. I really enjoyed it. I loved hearing 
what, uh, you know, taking some time off, I think is going to be great for him. I think he's going to come back really strong. And I know they kind of brought up uh, Kenny a little bit. I think another one that was, you know, been through a couple of rough, rough, rough years and is ready to come back after some time off, refocused and uh, recharged. All right, uh, Kellen, I have a reason I ask you, you guys this, but Kellen, your first thoughts, uh, first thing that comes to your mind when you think of this interview in Davalos. I, I, just like Mason said, I really like what Marty had to say. I like how he, uh, you know, kind of led into his off season or, or, you know, the not going to the Nationals and what the decisions were to leading into not going to the Nationals that led into now preparing for his off season and now getting re-signed. Uh, he was very open. He was forthcoming and looks like he's just really excited to get back racing again and kind of show what he's made of and what will be his real sophomore year of forfeit racing. Okay. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. The reason I ask this is, you know, look, we get a lot of these, a lot of the same riders throughout the year or years on pulp, and, and they're and the Adam Cincerello is great. Zach Osborne's great. They're always great. When Martin comes on, he seems so excited to be on. Like he puts off this air that like he couldn't wait to come on the show. Hey, Steve. You know he's so. And, and when Steve asks a question or leads him in a direction. He has so much to say about it. He's a very easy interview, it seems like, very much like Kyle Chisholm. Uh, Chisholm doesn't seem as excited, per se, but you can ask a question, and Marty has a lot to say. Like you're not, Steve doesn't have to struggle to get something out of him. He has a lot to give, and like you said, Mason, very open. Uh, man, I just I loved it. I thought, I, again, I didn't think this would be my favorite interview of the night, but it, it, other than maybe Filthy Phil... I think Martin was my favorite. Uh, let's listen to something real quick. This COVID deal is kind of messing everybody up. Like I've been, I've been hiding away. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I've been hiding away. So this year, though, there was there was no outdoors for you. What was that like? Did you did you? How long did you go without riding, Marty? Well, you know, I Matt, you know, Matt and I sat down, and he he told me I could go race outdoors. Okay. Realistically, for me, you know. Because the whole COVID deal was going on and my son was born, I was yeah. like, I, at first, you know, once he was born, I told myself, I don't want to do outdoors. This is the first year that I mm-hmm. am going to choose not to do it. Right. And I'm going to spend the summer with him and just kind of learn about him and all that. Yeah, I think that kind of backs up with what some of you guys were saying about some time off and spending time with his family and, you know, regrouping. But, Kellen, how about what Steve brought up? And, and you guys mentioned that, Kenny Roxon was brought up uh, and time off the bike can lead to a slow start when it comes back to racing again. If you take too much time and you're not in that groove all the time, do you think that could hurt Martin or with the way the season or the, the COVID and everything's going, the schedule, you think he'll be okay, Kellen? I think he'll be okay yeah. because I think we've seen this, sort of happened with Marty before where unfortunately he has had his fair share of injuries throughout his career and has sat out the outdoor season a lot because of it. Like there has been late supercross injuries that have kept him out for what would be most of outdoors. So he just takes the entire outdoors off and then, yeah, maybe he only has like about a month or two where he's not actually riding and there's not anything he's training for, but he always seems to come back firing. Like it seems like every year we'd enter supercross and we'd be like, well, Martin Davalos, he, he came <laughs> off an injury. How is he going to do? And then yeah. he comes firing into the first round of the season, win a heat race or win the main event even or something like that and, and show what he's made of. So I think that past 
and that history shows us that Marty is able to, you know, take the positives of the rest and the much-needed off-season time and turn it into a really successful next season that he has. That's a great point, and as we know, Steve has always believed in Marty, so I'm sure he's going to continue to get better and grow. Uh, Mason, how about <laughs> how about Steve getting rattled with the X-Brand topic being brought up, <laughs> and poor Marty's like, yeah, I hadn't heard anything back. Yeah, um, I wonder uh, what the people at X-Brand thought of that. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, it just seemed to come out of nowhere for both of them. And I think they were both a little caught off guard by it, but it was kind of entertaining as, as a listener listening to him kind of backpedal out of it. Yeah, I can assure you I almost called Rich while that was going on, uh, RT from X-Brand, but I, I promise you Rich, like what he thought about it, was probably thought it was hilarious. Uh, you know, Rich, Rich is owns the business, runs the business pretty much by himself. Uh, his, his father, Hook, is involved, but Rich just does everything plus taking care of or helping out his son Richard and Zach when they're with their racing or whatever. So he probably – it's just one of those things that got dropped probably. <laughs> the ball got dropped. But I think by the end of the show, Steve said he'd heard back. And I get, I get the feeling Davlos may be an X-Brand. I'm stoked. I'm an X-Brand rep, so that's going to be awesome if that happens. But it was definitely – awesome for the show to hear him <laughs> be a little rattled i loved it um and of course mate uh kellen steve has to bring up helping at geneva with the setup um can't can't let marty come on without reminding everybody about that no and it was even better because we each in studio big brayton lover brayton fan <laughs> yeah, and that was yeah. the whole drama of the weekend sure. with brayton trying to steal the title away from marty after marty was dominant most of the weekend um but yeah, I just I couldn't stop laughing how rattled Steve got about that whole situation. Uh, we talked about it earlier in this wrap-up show where you know Mathis he likes controlling the show, and that was one of those moments where like he there wasn't anything he could do. Like he wanted to direct that towards like big announcement. Yeah, Marty's yeah. gonna be an X brand, and then suddenly wham, Marty drops the bombshell that he didn't even get a phone call. Mathis <laughs> was just like, I, I, I don't I don't know what to do with that. So it was really a lot of fun to listen to it and hear how that whole thing transpired. Yeah, I wonder if the Pulp Mech show was pre-recorded. Like uh, a couple other shows that I know of, like if he would have cut that out or just left it in, you know, I, I, that's, that's, I'd love to know if that was something he would have went with anyway. But um, yeah, how about, okay, Kellen or Mason, a couple funny little tidbits were brought up during this interview. They were pretty quick, no real details. We all know the stories. Which was your favorite? Marty laughing at himself after the A1 crash was brought up and he said, yeah, the things I can do, the things I can do are pretty impressive. Or when they brought up AC's fastest qualifier streak being broken, and Marty and, and AC was cool with it. Which one of those two little things did you enjoy more, Mason? I enjoyed hearing uh, AC's kind of take on Marty reigning over him um, with the fastest qualifier. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I did too. That again, just a, a great interview. Uh, I don't remember how long it went, but it it was it was a lot more out of Marty than I expected. I think Steve did a fantastic job. Weege, of course, with great questions. So a lot of fun with Marty. I hope that Marty does really well this season. We get him back on the Pulp Mix show, and he like he could be kind of like we were talking with Weege being a regular co-host. I think Davalos would be a fantastic recurring guest that we hear a lot from. Um, great, great guest. All right, 
Next thing I want to talk about is after Marty got off the air, Kellen, Weeds did the Maxima read, and this was probably the most professional read I've ever heard on the Pulp Mech Show. Yeah, it was uh, really nice. Like, I would have thought Mathis uh, would jump in at some point and try to, like, mess him up or something as part of the skit. But, uh, man, that, that I think kind of shows how much of a professional Weeds is. Like, I've had an opportunity to go into the NBC Sports broadcast truck with him and see some of the reads that he ends up having in front of him that sometimes they can pre-record, but a lot of times he has to do on the spot. Yeah. And, you know, me personally, sometimes when I'm trying to read through a script or something like that, I will get tripped up by the tone that I need to have at the end of a sentence or certain things like that. Weeds knows, like, it's just perfect, like flowing sentence to sentence, knowing when he's getting to the end of the read, what kind of inflection he needs to have and stuff like that. And, you know, me being a journalism student, I'd listen to that stuff and I can just pick up the little minor things that he does uh, that makes that read so much more, you know, enjoyable as a, as a listener to hear it and, and feel like you're being kind of talked through that read instead of just like talked about the read. Yeah, you know? that's, I like the way you worded that. And Mason, he's 100% right. You could hear Weege's voice shift gears from before that read started into the professional uh, speaker voice. And it, it was it was still Weege, but there was absolutely a different tone and, and uh, not dialect, but you know what I'm saying. It just sounded so different, and it was awesome. I loved it. That's like That should have been pre-recorded. Let's use it every week. Yeah, the Maxima guy should definitely take that audio bit from there, but it definitely was uh, like I was watching the Pro Motocross Championship with that, that tone in his voice. All right, yeah, good, good. Um and, of course, <laughs> with the Art of Sport mention, typical weeds, the weeds we love, hey, they're catching on to me at the hotels. I've got to get me some free Art of Sport because the hotels are now using shampoo dispensers and I can't take it home with me. <laughs> God, I don't understand how people that have some money, <laughs> Mason, are so damn cheap. Yeah, the, I, these stories, every week or every time weed is on, whether it's the uh, – the pulp show or on the reviews or whatever it is, there's always something that comes up of how he was cheaper and something and it never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, it's great. God, I, I keep saying this, but th- really this is one of the better shows this year, I think. I, I just I think Weege might have taken over Kiefer's spot as my favorite co host. Um and now let's get to who my favorite guest was of the night, Filthy Phil. Friend of the show, Filthy Phil Nicoletti. What's up, Phil? What's up, Steve? How are you? We're good. Thank you for coming on. Oh, no problem. It's always a pleasure. Ooh, Kellen, that last, li- that, the whole reason I cut that piece of audio is that might be the first time I've ever heard Phil kind of almost give a compliment. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and, and he actually sounded like enthusiastic to be on the show. It wasn't like, oh, Matt, that's calling me again, guy. Oh, what are you doing this time? Like, he was like, yeah, great to be on the show. Like, you know, it sounded like he was really actually happy for one, which you never hear out of Phil. It never sounds like he's happy. Exactly. I was a little bit, like, wondering if this was, like, Bizarro World or something uh, because, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that's it's not your typical Phil. It's not the Black Cloud Phil. Uh, it seemed like Phil was really happy, and with everything going on, I was a little surprised. Um, some good stuff came out of this interview, as always, with Phil. They, they talked about JGR. And, you know, how Coy blamed Phil. But 
the, the, the story of the night from Phil was the weed story, Kellen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one was uh, pretty good. That, so, again, having weeds on the show, why I really like it so much. Um, I didn't know that story. And, like, you you think I would because, we, I mean, we talk every day. Like, we always banter about stuff that he's doing. I had no idea about that story. And it was a lot of fun to hear weeds try to explain, like, the story. And then, <laughs> like, leading into Phil responding that, like, dude, you just smoked your face on that thing. And he's like, what? Oh, I'm bleeding? Oh, my gosh. Like, what happened here? Um, but that <laughs> I could totally see how that whole thing transpired and, like, the, the reactions of both people and, and how, you know, weeds would have been like, what? what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh, I'm bleeding. And then Phil just like, oh, you smoked your face. Uh, it's just is a great story. Yeah, I can totally, you know, he mentioned that he had, I think he had gone on a ride or something with some of the other guys, and he came back, and Ben, Chad Reed's mechanic, I think formerly uh, Barsha's mechanic, uh, and, and we just kids, if I remember right, were in the truck honking the horn, flashing the lights, and Weeds just kind of lost his mind a little bit, Mason. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it so funny is he had to have been so mad when he opened that door right on his head. Like, that would have really pissed me off. If I was already irritated at my kid honking the horn and I go out there and slam my head in the door, I would not have been happy. No, no. I don't, I don't think anybody gets hit in the head by a ridgeline is going to be happy. But, again, makes for a great story on the Pulp Mech Show. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I wish there had been somebody there videoing all this stuff because it would be great for, like, a vlog if uh, Amart had gotten it on video or something. Uh, I don't even know if Amart was there. But, uh, Mason, how about, you know, talk about what Phil's going to do next year. Of course, during the show, they're talking about JGR leaving and uh, Rockstar pulling out up, up in Canada. And, what you know, what ride Phil may find. And Steve mentions, hey, maybe we'll start a GoFundMe to get you racing and feels like no, no, we don't need to do that. I still love racing my dirt bike, uh, but it, it's cool to hear that Phil is being positive still. He's going to get back to it. Does not want to teach kids to ride bikes or ride moto at Club MX. He wants to race his motorcycle and make some money. Yeah, I think it's cool that he's still wanting to race. And I know he even mentioned doing Supercross again. And then it came to my mind because it was right after Marty. Maybe Team Tedder could throw some money together for him and get him out on the Supercross track this year. Do you think he would want to do that? He always jokes about it being Death Cross. Do you think he'd want to come back to Supercross, like honestly want to? I don't know that he would necessarily want to, but I think he might this year because there's not going to be a ton of racing elsewhere from what it seems, or he might not have uh, too many options. Yeah, fair enough. Very true. Uh, okay, so we all know that Phil and the Martin brothers are friends, and they, they have this volatile uh, – I guess friendship, right? I mean, they, they talk shit on each other. And we've got J-Mart going back to Star, which most of us thought would never happen. And Phil has something to say about it. Can you believe that J-Mart went back to Star Yamaha? Can you believe that? I, I am still, I am still in shock and awe that this happened. There's one one thing I could really say about that, but I can't say it on air because it's not nice. But yes, I can believe it. Anything's possible in this world. It's 2020, right? And it's Jmart. So yes, it, he will be. I think super dominant on that bike, regardless. Yeah. Mason, are we sure this is the filthy Phil 
on the phone line. It's not nice, no, so I don't want to say it. And J-Mart's going to be dominant. No, he was complimenting Steve when he came on. He's saying J-Mart's going to be dominant. I don't know who this impersonator was, but I won't feel back. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Kellen? A little surprised or just Phil being being honest? You know, I mean, the, the reality is J-Mart's probably going to be pretty damn dominant in the Starbike outdoors. Right. I think the only thing we can derive from Phil's demeanor on the show is that he doesn't have a contract for next year, and maybe he doesn't want to have the appearance that he's upset or angry or, or being typical Phil or anything like that. So maybe he's being a little friendly media-wise mm. so that when the opportunities come, he has a little bit of background to that. Because, yeah, I, normally when uh, Jeremy or Alex are brought up, Phil is <laughs> he just goes in, he's just starts laying in the uh, insults and anything that he can slide in to bash the Martin brothers down. Yeah, I, not, not on this interview. I'm not buying that, uh, uh, yeah, that he's trying to be more positive for to the media for a future contract or ride. I just, I don't think that, well, I was saying that doesn't sound like Phil, but then I don't know why he's doing it. So, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. It's just not the normal Phil, but, um, and they did ask him about Troll Train. Uh, I really enjoyed. You texted Phil today, Steve. Yeah. And whenever you text Phil, you, I'm attached. Yeah. Just, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I maybe scroll back to your text. <laughs> Phil's teams are folding. Multiple Phil teams are folding. Yeah. He doesn't have any options on the table. Right. And you text him in all caps. What's Troll Train gonna do? <laughs> and Phil's what did I write back? It was I like give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Wait. What did you write? Hold on. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Let's scroll back here. So. Yes, um, that's what it was, or something like that. I don't have a ride myself. Here we go. It uh, Weege and Filthy Phil. Um, What's Troll Train going to do, Phil, while Phil's sitting there with no rod? Okay, hold on. God. Um, while, while Steve is going through that. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so Tuesday, go. on Tuesday, I said, in all caps, what is Troll Train going to do now? <laughs> Phil says, I got my own issue, Steve. I could give a fuck about Troll Train. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. No, but seriously, I could give a fuck about Troll Train. Alex is a liberal. I. I, I, I <laughs> All right, now that sounds like filthy Phil, Mason. Yeah, that was more like it. I, I was waiting for a dumb dick here or a dumb dick there, but I never got it. <laughs> so I was glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, Mark's dropped the ball and hitting some drops for that probably. Um, but, yeah, that, that was a good way to wrap up the filthy Phil segment. At least he went out with a, a bang as we, the way we know Phil to be, uh, giving those guys a little bit of shit. Um, hey, I want to talk about Seal Savers, Mason. Um, Tell us about tell us about your business. Well, since 1999, Steel Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Steel Savers is the original when it comes to fork seal protection, starting with the original Steel Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting in your fork seals. Since then, Steel Savers has revolutionized fork seal protection with our zip-on Steel Savers, making installation a breeze. Just wrap them around, zip them on. Uh, you could check out our full line of motocross products. We also have products for side-by-sides, which are doing super well for us. So check them out. Use the code PULP25 for 25% off on our website. That is awesome. And Steve and Kiefer and all those guys, Randy, could have used them Saturday at Glen Helen in that mud fest. Uh, those things, man, they're, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily run seal savers. Maybe they don't know exactly what they do. But if you guys are maintaining your own bikes – and you got to worry about, you know, replacing all these parts regularly, air filter, whatever you got to replace regularly, tires. You know, uh, 
replacing fork seals is not easy. If you don't have the right tools, you don't have the right knowledge, you got to send them somewhere. Get some seal savers, wrap them around those seals, and it keeps the mud out. You know, it, you pull the seal savers off before you wash the bike, and that whole area is completely clean, completely dry, and amazing. I mean, you guys, if you don't know about seal savers, you got to check them out. And I, Mason had told me off air beforehand, next time he's on here in a couple of weeks when we get him back on the wrap show, we're going to do a giveaway. So I appreciate you, uh, Mason, for coming on late this year and being part of the wrap-up show. Absolutely, and uh, I think I'll go out on a on a limb here and say we'll be we'll be back on for uh, for twenty one. Awesome, awesome, dude! We are going to make twenty one a killer year. Cannot wait, Kellen. You better be ready, man, because I'm going to be calling on you a bunch. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm here. I'm ready. All right. Let's get to the race tech rants. Uh, Pope twenty to save at race tech couple of them here so steve had a steve had his own it was a little bit politically based he got a little bit of uh fire back you know on youtube and facebook and discord uh and then i guess he got a tweet today that he responded to and it disappeared somebody being mad that there was too much politics so before i even get into this a little bit this is steve's show i don't care if he talks about hockey or he talks about baseball with Chris Betts, or he talks about grocery shopping and Pookie going to the store. And I don't really care if he talks about uh, politics. I'm not a big political guy. I don't. I kind of have my head buried in the sand when it comes to politics. But I don't really care because it's his show, and to me, he still makes it entertaining. Entertaining. Do either of you, Mason, do you care if he gets into politics at all? Uh, not really. Um <laughs> No, I don't really care. It doesn't really make a difference to me. It all kind of comes full circle. And the rant, he was able, he kind of got himself worked up on it, so it kind of made me laugh. So yeah, whatever. Exactly. Politics. How about you, Kellen? Does it bother you at all? I mean, even if it does, you can shut it off and come back to it. Yeah, and that's what I always say to people that are like, oh, the ads are too much or that. I mean, you can skip forward. You can pause it. You can do whatever it is that, that makes it so you don't have to listen to that part of the show. Yep. And you're right. It's Steve's show. He is allowed to do what he wants. It's his show. So if he wants to talk about that, he can talk about it. Like what? I don't understand some of these people that are just like, you shouldn't talk about this because it is a moto show. It's, it's called the, the Pulp Mech show, but like, it's Steve's show. It's not a motocross show, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I think it's ridiculous. I, I agree, you know, for all these people that hate on when he talks about e-bikes or politics or whatever it, the case may be, dude, go do your own damn show and only talk about moto and do the best you can getting guests and see how that goes. I mean, it's not easy, and the reason Steve's show is five hours and so entertaining and so much better than even my show, the Moto Xbox show, to me, is because of the other stuff. Uh, he does stuff that... Maybe not everybody else is doing, and I, I think it's, you know, why his show is set apart from everybody else. But the one I want yeah, to talk oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and to the point of his rant, uh, it's not as if, like, he just disregarded that this had, like, industry ties. Like, I was talking to people in our industry that had the exact same mindset to what his rant was saying mm-hmm. way back in, like, May. Yeah, and saying like you know, as soon as the election's over, this is over. So he he tied it back into the industry and like what he's been hearing from people, uh, and, and I think that that, in my opinion, made the rant okay because he was still relevant to what you know people in this industry think and talk about. Totally agree. Uh, now I will say, 
the po political stuff on the message boards can get a little bit much when it never ends. And I actually got out of, uh, I was on YouTube Monday night, and man, the, the, the shit that they were talking about, I had to bail. I had to go over to Facebook. It, it, it got, I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to see it. So I, but I did, you know, I didn't bitch about, I didn't bitch to YouTube for allowing it. I just like, all right, I'm out. I'll go do something else. And I guess that's what you got to do. If you don't like what Steve's talking about, figure something else out or quit listening because Steve does not give a shit. But the rant that I want to focus on the most is Weejiz. Yeah, my rant. So we've had a lot of teams lose sponsorship and hence shut down. Yep. But I'm going to need everybody at home to just chill down on the marketing genius plans that you have to help teams promote these sponsors better so they can stay on the road. Make bigger shrouds. Run a list of uh, scroll sell t -shirts, on the sell t-shirts. Run a giant scroll on the screen while they're talking on the podium so their sponsors can get their logo seen. They no longer yeah. sell sponsorship plans based on X amount of billboard space, X amount of eyeballs seeing it. That's what you want. The reason Google has all these platforms is because everywhere you go, they're in your face with ads that you can click on. No other company on earth can offer that. So if you're a race team, you don't even bring up the amount of times your logo gets seen because if you want to play that game every company on earth will be like yeah good job you made the radiator shots 20 percent bigger yeah. we're getting one million times more luck yeah. with google yeah so the only way they get sponsors is as your guy kenny watson you say on this show it's all about the business to business yep. every once in a while through a race team they'll get to meet some high-end people from another Fuck company you. and it's worth going to the races and being a VIP just to meet other CEOs, yeah. other rich guys, and maybe your company makes a connection. So that helps. Uh, what gets me mad about it is yeah, yeah, like it. it's always under the guise of, well, if these dumb teams or these dumb marketing people would have just tried this or have just done that, it doesn't work. They've tried it. They've thought about it. It actually makes it look worse. If you try to tell these companies that the return on the investment, this race team is worth your $3 million dollars, it is practically impossible to justify that from an advertising impression thing. So you have to try other tricks. We'll introduce you to people that you wouldn't get. But honestly, the only thing that works, you can feel important if you're the rich guy, be it just the random rich guy right. or the CEO of a company, you can feel like a VIP. You can feel important. You can get that ego stroke. An old agent in the sport says sponsorship is more egonomics than economics. That's the only way it works. It has nothing to do with the radiator shroud size. And because of that, it's just like a miracle has to happen. You have to find the right rich guy with the right interest at the right time who's willing to not spend his money in the smartest way, just the way he wants. Right. So stop with the marketing tips, everybody. It will not help. And it's not that the teams are dumb. It's that even the smartest marketing genius at a race team can't beat Google. That's the problem. All right, Mason, so you're a business owner, obviously, with Seal Savers, and what Jason was saying was something that I honestly didn't really think about, how marketing is very different this day and age than the old-school race mentality. NASCAR put all the logos on the on the side of the car, and everybody can see it, and that sells. Uh, I really never even thought of it this way, so I thought it was really informative what Weege had to say. As a business owner, do you agree with him? Do you have to deal with this? Uh, give us your insight. Yeah, have to deal with it all the time. I mean, it's definitely different than it once was. I mean, not even all that long ago, um, magazines were a big thing. And what we um, talk about magazine versus digital all the time. And I know Marty, my dad's going to listen to this and he'll probably laugh hearing about it. But I wish we were in a position that we could uh, 
be that that rich guy and go racing um <laughs> maybe one day but um yeah it's definitely something that steel savers feels and we talk about all the time what's going to be the best bang for your buck and unfortunately a, a race team just isn't that at this point yeah it's interesting it's it's definitely a new way of thinking uh and you know we saw what it did to jgr well you know how again like they kept saying if a team like jgr with that much reach can't make it happen, especially in this year when things are as bad as they are. You got to rethink the whole the whole marketing aspect, Kellen. Yeah, and, and so I, I can provide a little bit more background to this because okay. the job that I had for uh, the position I have at Racetracks now, I was a search engine optimization analyst. So I took <laughs> That's a companies' websites, clients, everything, and tried to make them rank higher on Google. And we had a search engine marketing department as well at the company that I worked at. And I saw how much money that these companies would pour into it. And I got to tell you, the investment was pretty successful a lot of the time. I had a client that tripled the number of people that would come to their website just because we cleaned up a couple things on their, uh, you know, on their website so that Google could read their website better, and they would run ads on Google as well. And that's the same thing happening on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these other things that now have shops and uh, you know little ads that run in the videos and stuff like that. It's becoming much more of a, a market that these companies have to chase after because it's going to get a lot more eyeballs on, on them, their brand, and eventually their website so they can sell product. And that's exactly what we're just trying to key into there is that yep. – it's not just about sponsoring a race team. It's not just about selling hats or shirts or anything like that. Like, there's so much more to it these days to actually, you know, see a turnover on revenue that these companies need to actually have a race team every year. And it's not just a simple answer as putting an ad or, or a, a logo on the shroud of a bike and then suddenly, bam, you have hundreds of thousands of dollars rolling in. It's so interesting, and it makes me feel so old. But... I mean, I still buy. Hey, uh, hey Kellen. Yep. Good. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, talk after the show about some SEO stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, I just it's interesting to think about uh, because you know I I think I my marketing now like the, what sells to me has since I've started doing this stuff is the people that help me out the people that involve themselves in Pulpamex like Seal Savers, Fly Racing, X Brand Goggles. Uh, I get my marketing, the stuff that interests me, based off what I hear from something I love, like Pulp, and how they support the show, or how they support uh, their clientele. Like Fly Racing, the big reason for me to want to be involved with them is how friendly they are, how personable they are, how they are family-based. You know, it's not... Uh, like Fox Racing, you know, I don't know anybody with, involved in that company that I could just call up and, and talk to or whatever and it's just different i don't know how to explain i'm not say, i'm not explaining it very well but that's kind of where i get my marketing from though is listening to the show and it, it would it be another podcast maybe that i listen to if they have something that supports them then i want to support that company because they're supporting something i love uh but the way we explained it all was very interesting and a new way to think of things so uh, i'm glad i got to hear all that Big news of the week, as Steve had mentioned, the JGR uh, team closing their doors. Let's, uh, let's listen to some audio, and then we'll discuss it. Man, was it good to have Joe Gibbs racing in our sport. Was that ever awesome? And, man, does it suck that they're no longer around. I don't know why, but it just hits me a little harder. Yeah, the difference is, I think, more on the personal side for a lot of us. You know, I yeah. always 
say that that's the only team we really refer to it as like it's the JGR guys. It was by far honest, open to a fault, probably. Mm-hmm. We loved Koi. J Bone's super popular, but this is going to be the one that truly discourages other people yeah. from having a look at running a team in this sport. The pressure was on them. If they couldn't make it work, they knew that other teams would say, well, if Joe Gibbs Racing can't make it work, right. why would we be able to do any better? Yep. So that's what makes it sting. I don't know. It's just not a good place for our sport right now. You know, Two major teams losing, you know, folding up, losing jobs, losing rides. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. It's a bit depressing. <laughs> when it comes to a team like... JGR, where they are so exposed to corporate America. That's just how they've always been. They've always been very progressive with, you know, corporate sponsorship, and they, they've introduced a lot of that to the industry. I, I think they have been a pioneer, so to speak, as far as bringing bringing that that sort of sponsorship into the sport. Um, I think that in the end was what did the men was, you know, their corporate America has kind of pulled back through all this, and that made it very difficult for them to, I think, run their team. Well, we had a lot of laughs at JGR's expense. We did. We had we a did. lot of laughs. I mean, we are going to miss out on those. Think of how their last race went. <laughs> Three dudes got hurt in practice, and did, they did not race. <laughs> I didn't even think about Alex that. Alex broke his leg. That was like the omen, right? It was. Savachi, right. so, so I heard, was... That was a straw that broke the camel's back and every other bone in all their riders' bodies. <laughs> all right, some laughs there, along with uh, when Steve said that JGR makes him think of, like, Wiley Coyote with the, the stick of dynamite or the firecracker. But the reality is, uh, Kellen, as they said, as JT said, Steve, uh, JGR revolutionized some things, uh, you know, with, and Weeds had mentioned it, which I didn't use that audio, but just everything in-house, right? The, the, the track... The trainers trying to get everybody in North Carolina, which didn't always stay that way with some of the riders, but just um, they really tried to do something different. They they made a big impact, not the best results as the the guys on the show talked about, but yeah, very very disappointing, very depressing that it did not work out. Uh, Weeds did say and JT agreed that they might be back, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they definitely did try to more or less revolutionize the sport in a way by having this, this you know, training facility in a completely different state than where most of the industry lives and operates and, uh, you know, telling people they got to move there and, and going through that, that whole process and stuff. But, um, you know, one thing I took away from what Mathis and Weed were talking about in regards to JGR and it makes me think of when RCH had to pull out a couple of years ago, is that if you have someone like Kerry Hart in your corner and he still can't even make it happen or make the sponsors happen, what does that say about our industry and like how, how difficult it is to really make these race teams run and be operational? And the same thing can be said about JGR because they have you know, all the brain power of the NASCAR side and everything that's going on over there and, and how it takes to run, you know, to get to the Fortune 500 companies and, and, and tell them and pitch them and, and try to get our sport uh, in front of them so that they can try to, you know, obviously advertise through that. And they couldn't make it work. And, and I think that is, like, the saddest part and what they were talking about, it, like, the, the bittersweet part of this whole thing is that, you know, it, it sucks they had to go away, and it really just shows us how difficult this sport is to sell to the big companies like that. It really is, and I think they gave us a lot of information Monday, Mason, on why some of these things probably happened. Um, 
What did you think, again, as a business owner, about all the different things that we agency talked about as far as what they tried, selling T-shirts, opening a performance shop? Like, they were willing to go all in, using their own money. Um, you know, just, like, they did so much to try to make it work. It really shows how passionate Koi was about this project. Yeah, they were definitely dedicated. They definitely did it right. And I think JT kind of touched on it, but it seemed like just the perfect storm of things just kept happening to the point where it didn't make sense to do it anymore. And then, like, they were making fun of them going out with uh, a couple of their riders getting hurt in practice. That's just as, you know, so fitting and so on brand, unfortunately. And I think that it just took, you know, so many different, like I said, perfect storm of situations that just took them out, unfortunately. Yeah, what do you think about, um, I think it was Weege, maybe it was JT, that said, Part of the problem or part of the issue they always seem to have was not really having an amateur program. Uh, I believe that was, I think that was Weege. But what do you think about it? Do you think that hurt them, not having guys to fall, file in from an amateur rank to bring in and have as you know fresh blood? Uh, not necessarily because, I mean, you see a lot of the money that these teams like Geico and Cowie are putting into these younger kids, and oftentimes it doesn't work out. I know Steve rants about it almost weekly. So I think for JGR, they were really just focused on making their professional program as professional and legitimate as they could. And, and like I said, I think that they did. It just was really unfortunate, the timing of who they signed and when with what motorcycles and machines they were on. It, it's really too bad that it didn't work out for them. And I don't think you could point to one thing, whether that's the lack of an amateur program, um, poor signings, or whatever the case may be. I don't think it was one thing that really took them down. No, you're right. There's just, unfortunately for them, a string of so many major things. Every season, it was just something. Even bringing, like, Brock Tickle in as a fill-in, and then I think the first time out, he breaks his hand, right? I mean, it's just always something, and it's, man, it sucks. I hate seeing those guys go. You know, I hope, I hopefully J-Bone uh, will stay around. I don't know. I just can't see, I can't imagine those guys not being around. It's going to suck come uh, January, so let's see what happens. Um, Steve had a pretty, as he called it, heavy rumor, and I want to touch on that. Yeah, Anderson, is he back? Is he he Alpine Stars? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think he's in his last year of the deal. Yeah. I thought he was saying that everything was up. My hot rumor that that I heard, I don't know, two months ago, and it wasn't a great source, (laughs) but I'll just say it. The hot rumor I had is as soon as... As Anderson's contract is up, he is out of there and going with Bobby Hewitt to whatever Bobby does. Bobby Hewitt's behind the scenes. This is this is Hewitt's not done. This is a heavy rumor, so please okay. don't. Right. This is just a, right. not, you know, don't take okay. this as fact. Bobby's setting something up. He's coming back, mm. and Anderson will be with him as soon as that's all settled. Uh, at one point, I would have said I absolutely can see that. Yep. However, I have, I have a huge respect for Bobby Hewitt. I, I've seen the way he operates. He lets me in the truck all the time. I don't feel like the success that that team has had is an accident. However, mm-hmm. they have absolutely maintained that level since. They've been right. great since right. that Salt Lake City yep. run through now. You've got to come up with a lot of money because Jason <laughs> Anderson is very, very well paid yeah. and has been for a very long time. So if if Bobby has multi-millions of dollars to put a team together and, you know, Jason Anderson's going to absorb a lot of that, then, yeah, it's believable for me. I just don't know where all that money's going to come from. Right, right. Kellen, I'm going to let you go first. What do you think of this rumor? What do you think of Steve's, uh, as he called it, uh, heavy rumor? 
Yeah, it's really interesting from a lot of different angles. First of all, Anderson is allegedly signed through the 2022 season. He signed a four-year extension after he won his championship in 2018. Um, so if it's true, and he would be going to Bobby Hewitt after this contract ends. It makes it sound like Anderson's career is going to keep going for quite a bit more time than I think some people maybe theorize it could. Um, but beyond that, this uh, this whole situation with Hewitt, uh, you know, I've, I've heard through the grapevine and a lot of other things that there was a lot of unhappy people when Hewitt left because he was very well liked and, and loved among the mechanics and the riders and everything like that there. And uh, the relationship that Anderson specifically has with him is huge because if you go all the way back to the beginning of his career, Anderson had a, you know, really, really tough time kind of adapting to the pro ranks. And Hewitt let him take time off and let him, you know, regroup no injury, nothing along those lines, just get his, his head back in the right space and work with him to develop him into, you know, eventually a 250 champion, a 450 champion, all those things. So I think that their relationship is a strong one. And I could absolutely see Anderson wanting to go back to, to Hewitt. But like JT said, Anderson also demands a lot of money as a former Supercross champion now and uh, getting the money that he's probably making with Rockstar Husky and all that. Uh, there's a lot of things to unpack from this rumor if it is true. Yeah, I, I, you have some good points. Mason, the little bit that I've talked to Jason, I just talked to him a couple, uh, maybe a month ago at an event out here where I live, and you know, it was all off-the-record stuff, but like, he makes it at least very much sound like he doesn't care about the money so much. He loves racing his dirt bike and hates the business side, hates the obligations of a rock star that says you got to do this at this time you got to be here you got to do that he just wants to race his dirt bike and i kind of feel like this whole rumor of him racing for a guy like bobby might be in his wheelhouse where maybe bobby says all right just show up race your dirt bike yeah maybe you don't have to do the interviews who knows what bobby would say and i'm just theorizing here but it seems like that could be something that would benefit Jason with the type of guy he is, Mason. Yeah, you guys know Jason much better than I do. I don't know him at all. But, it, I mean, if he doesn't really want to do all that, uh, I guess, corporate stuff that, that he's mentioning, it might be a good fit for him. He's obviously a very capable and one of the best riders in the field. Um, I, I think potentially it could be really good for him. Yeah, I do too. So uh, it would be interesting to see. Uh, you know, maybe I think Jason's coming back out to this track soon. I might actually ask him about that if I see him before the Supercross season starts. Um, you know, I go ahead. I think I think he should just come on the Pulp Show and talk about it. In oh, all honesty, that that is absolutely not going to happen. That was a question I specifically asked him at this event, and he's like, "Yeah, that it's not going to happen." Just. If, let me just say, if that he would be the biggest surprise of all the guys that have come back to Pulp if he actually ever does, because I mentioned all that to him, like Barsha and Ricky Carmichael, and uh, yeah, he was like, nope. like <laughs> You know how Steve, okay, I, I don't know if I should be saying this on here, but let's, shit, whatever. Steve uh, talks about not going to the, the Rockstar truck because he doesn't want to make Jason uncomfortable because he knows Jason doesn't like him. Jason very much confirmed that. So that's that's all I'm going to say, because um, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, Does Jason know about the jersey behind Steve? Yeah, I asked him about that, too. Um, I'm going to drop it. Let's just drop it. <laughs> I'm going to drop it. Yeah, because 
Damn it, I don't have my foot in all the way in the door, guys, so it might have just might just get slammed right now. Um, but you guys all know about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mech Show, and now I'm really excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mech Wrap-Up Show, and hopefully they don't leave in December. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes, and possibly soon BMX. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, stay tuned for more info about Pulp, from Pulpamex about Michelin bicycle tires. Follow at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram and check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Thank you, Randy. Um, Colt Nichols was late in the show and very impressive, Kellen. Um, another guy, well, first thing I want to touch on is Steve promised or at least mentioned that he was going to ask Colt about the earring and he did not ask Colt about the earring. <laughs> he did mention, uh, well, he did mention that Phil didn't like it or something. Like he, I thought he was kind of padding it to get ready to ask the question and then he never did. Yeah, I think that as the story went, that when Phil and uh, Colt first met or something, uh, after Phil had all these preconceived notions about Colt and things that he probably didn't like about him, he said, I'm going to rip that freaking earring yeah, right yeah. out of your head or something like that. Um, but I thought Colt was really, really good to hear from just because he had such a rough 2020. And under the radar like is a, a guy that probably is expected to contend for a title for Star in 2000. And 21, obviously, they're, they're probably relying a little bit more on maybe Jay Coop and Jay Mart to do that for them. But Nichols, he's won, race, he's won a race. He, he's led the points. And you kind of forget about him. Like, you, you don't remember that that was the Colt Nichols we saw in 2019 that led the points for half the year, pretty much. So um, it was nice to, to hear from him again, hear uh, how his program is going, hear what it's like to have a chillion riders on the team that suddenly he's, you know, around Mookie and Dylan and Mm -hmm. uh, J-Mart all the time and stuff like that. So I uh, really like the interview for sure. Uh, Mason, anything stand out for you with Colt? Um, not necessarily with Colt, other than his story about his wrist, um, where he went to the doctor with a gear bag in the back of the car, expecting to go riding right after, and yeah. then left with a cast on. That was a real bummer to hear, and I can't believe that happened. Um, but besides that, just when they were talking about um, Will and getting engaged and when they brought up or uh, when Steve mentioned getting um, relationship advice from Forkner, I was, I was rolling at that. Well, speaking of that. Uh, yeah, did you see Wilbur got engaged? Did you hear that? No. We, yeah. I did. I yeah. did. I did. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, man, I just can't believe he, I, really cool. I'm proud of him, man. That yeah, was awesome. Yeah, he's really growing up, Wilbur, right before, right before us. I know. You get your first girlfriend. That's the first thing you yeah, want to do. Yeah, 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 right. I yeah. Uh, I think, you got to marry her. I, yeah. I, think, I think he calls Forkner for advice. I think he's been calling Forkner no, like, please, no, hey, no, I, I, no, I got this no, chick. What, no, do I, no, what do I do? I'm in love. She just seems like the one. God. Oh, no, Steve. Uh, no, Listen, Forkner's not, Forkner's not coming on my show. It doesn't matter. I could, you know, I mean, that's nice. um, Yeah, you may be right about that. We can add Forkner to the list of rivals for Steve mathis now mason but yeah that was uh, poor wilbur man just not even on the phone to defend himself but good stuff um how you mentioned the cast story i liked with that story what i liked was you know swanee said hey 
if you're going to make Loretta's this year, we got to start working on some stuff. So he did. And then when he went to the doctor, the doctor's like, uh, something's not right here. Have you been doing some stuff? He's like, uh, no. So that, that was some pretty good insight to, uh, you know, maybe he threw Swanee under the bus a little bit, but I like the honesty, Kellen. Yeah, it's always refreshing to hear when these guys yeah. are just kind of open about their, their situations and everything like that. And I've always heard that about Cole as well, that he doesn't like hiding things. Like, he's maybe not the most forthcoming guy on social media or whatever, but when you get the chance to talk to him, he's usually pretty open about that stuff. And uh, that was why it was so nice to have him on the show, because Mathis is obviously a guy that likes to poke and prod and kind of ask the questions that uh, people more or less want to hear most of the time, and, and Colt didn't shy away from anything and talked about uh, a lot about the in- injury and, and things that he's been going through and training and, and things like that. So uh, it was a good one for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, not hiding things, he is now Steve's favorite rider. And this is why. I think yep. Salt Lake City, everybody was cool with staying in one place and not being able to go back home because it was late in the year. They had their bikes figured out. Are you worried? I'm going to ask every rider this. What if you go to the opener and you realize everything's messed up and now you cannot go back to the test track? I mean, like, I've rode Supercross now for uh, a few weeks now. You know, it's maybe our third, fourth week. I don't even know how long I've been riding it. But I haven't made one change to the bike the whole time. I think for the most part, once I get to a point where I'm comfy, I mean, the same thing in 19, I never changed anything the whole time, all the way through the season. Once you find a setup that's good at that point, if I'm, like, struggling with something that bad, I'm, I'm starting to kind of turn and look at myself like, okay, what the hell am I doing? Because oh at the my, test track or on. everywhere else that I rode, it was fun, you know? Wow. And now all of a sudden I can't like what? <laughs> so more than likely it's probably me doing something stupid uh, and not, not necessarily. The bike, Lines so. are blown right now. Colt Nichols is now my favorite rider ever. <laughs> yeah. His mind was blown with that. Kellen. Uh, he's been waiting. He's been waiting his whole media career for somebody to say those words and be that honest or that open about just or you know that have that mentality and he's found them. So, do we hear a whole lot about the Colt train now this year? Uh, I, I think we might because yeah, Matt is jumping aboard the train for sure. Like uh, immediately, what went through my mind when that whole situation was happening was the, the drop of Mathis saying that just tells me you guys are fragile little flowers. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, all, like all the time, Mathis rants about these guys, like, just look in the mirror every once in a while. Like, it's not always set up. You got to ride the bike and, you know, actually perform on it instead of just thinking set up all the time. And, uh, you know, talking about Colt being so honest, that was just as refreshing as, as all, everything that he said during his interview because he was straight up and saying like i look in the mirror i say what am i doing wrong what can i do better and you know it almost makes me wonder like he he did have you know good rides coming through as an amateur but he had to go through almost the privateer team level uh to get back on the star and i wonder if that uh helped him mature to this level where it, you know he's not getting uh, fed on a silver spoon anymore and uh has to kind of slug through and, and make things work for him great theory um, let's talk about motorsport.com real quick. Those who ride bikes, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsports.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride. Only at motorsport.com. You can find Guts Racing and Michelin Tires and all kinds of other products there from the Pulpamex sponsor list at Motorsport. 
And speaking of that, if you want discount codes, you want to support those that support Pulpmex, go to pulpmexshow.com, click on the sponsor tab, sponsor links are there, discount codes are there. And as far as the wrap-up show, you can email me, darkside at pulpamex.com, if you have anything you want to put on the Hello Pookie segment to talk to her about. Uh, anything to say about the show, just anything, hit, hit me up, darkside at pulpamex.com. Okay, we're going to wrap this thing up here pretty shortly. I do want to touch on the cabinet situation. Kellen, as a friend of Weege, as a lover of the Pulpamex show, the cabinet story on... Weege's Instagram, and then talking about it on the show. Give me your thoughts, man. Oh, my gosh. This, this thing was amazing from the second it hit social media and started making the rounds all the way until they discussed it on the show. Um, I remember when he started talking about the whole cabinet situation on social media, uh, our guy Chase Stallo, who used to work at Race Direct, asked, you know, how does this situation end? Does it end with, you know, him throwing stuff across the room or whatever? And I theorize that uh, the cops are going to show up and take the cabinets back just like they did when he stole the, uh, the, grass. the grass from his neighbor's house, laid down sod in his yard, and then the cops came and made it all back up, stuff like that. Um, uh, but it was the, the, situ- the situation where you drilled two holes <laughs> at the top and the bottom, I, I don't know how you can get that wrong. Even if they're in the instructions, I just don't know like what goes through his mind where he's like, oh, there's a handle up top, there's a handle on bottom. And then Steve was teasing him about it, like bringing up old basketball players yeah, that yeah. were like seven foot <laughs> five or whatever and saying like, who'd yeah. you think was going to, you know, open these cabinets, these guys? And um, uh, just complete hilarity, the whole story, and, and, and still doesn't seem like there's any solution because the cabinets still have some handles missing and holes in other ones. So I can't believe he spent the money. Week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mason, <laughs> his wife comes there or asks him how it's going. He goes, oh, you know, like, like the way he said it, at least on the Pulp Show, was like, yeah, everything's great. I'm just missing some handles. Like, how does he not realize every single cabinet is missing the exact perfect number of handles? You don't – it never seemed to click. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I will say I've been there. Not that bad, but similarly, <laughs> um, in my garage, I have a tall cabinet with uh, two holes on both sides um, for a handle to open, but only on one. I learned I learned from my mistakes pretty quick. <laughs> first time. Um, yeah, so I don't know how many cabinets he went through, but uh, I will say I don't know if you guys have purchased uh, cheap cabinets and followed the instructions on them, but they are not very detailed. I can't imagine Weege spending a ton of money on super fancy cabinets with very detailed instructions. Fair point. All right. Well, it was entertaining. I, uh, you know, we we love laughing at all these goofy stories that Weege, as, as knowledgeable as I said he was about the moto side, when it comes to other things, he – Man, he makes some interesting choices, so he's a great character. And his response to Steve's latest expenditure of renting a movie theater, which I thought was super rad, was like he couldn't even believe, like when Steve told him it wasn't a romantic gesture, his, what? Like the whole time Steve's telling the story about renting out a movie theater, we just thinks it's a romantic you know, gesture for Pookie, and Steve's like, no, we just like watching movies, and blew his mind, Mason. Yeah, I I can't believe that wasn't even remotely thought of from Steve of it being a romantic thing. That was my first thought. Uh, I thought it was a, a a great gift or a great idea or something for them to do. Um, knowing how much going to the movies and seeing a movie uninterrupted means to Pookie and to him, 
I thought that was a, extremely thoughtful and nice of him to do. Oh, maybe I can get a, a handy. Yeah, that was, that was great. <laughs> um, but invited Kellen, which, or not Kellen, yeah, you're invited to Kellen, uh, Marks. He invited <laughs> Marks. Marks doesn't know if he's going to show up. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to these two stories, you got to go back and check them out, but I'm sure most of you have heard them by now. We talked about being disappointed that we didn't hear the crazy ex-girlfriend story from Weege, which I guess he says is a DMX exclusive. Maybe Steve can get out, out of him next time. A couple more quick things. Uh, Chicken's son calls in, Kellen, and calls Chicken a pussy. <laughs> yeah, that was random. awesome. Um, yeah, very random as well, because... Uh, I, I've heard his son before. Like I think uh, I've seen him on social media, and I've seen him at the track a couple times as well. Um, but I didn't like really connect the dots until Steve had said who it was and, and, and all that. And um, I guess like father, like son to a degree. Uh, you know, just calling people out. Sure. Doesn't matter if it's his dad or if it's his grandmother. He's going to make sure that they uh, get the brunt end of the stick on occasion. This is very funny to hear him just ripping into his father like that. Yeah, that was that was just a great random moment, you know, like not planned out. Weeds didn't even realize it was Chicken Son at first, uh, like really Chicken Son. So that that was pretty cool, good experience. Um, let's see here before we wrap this thing up. I, I thought the story of Pookie was supposed to pay the insurance bill. That was supposed to be her bill, but then Steve wanted to use the credit card for some reason, and just Pookie doesn't have to pay any bills. Um, just inside the, the lives of Pookie and Steve, I enjoyed that. I called in, and Steve says he may join uh, Snowboard, Discord. Are either one of you in that? Uh, Kellen, are you on Discord? Yes, sir. I thought you were. Oh, that's right, because I didn't – yeah, oh, no, that was YouTube. What was your username uh, on Discord? Is it just you? I think it's just Kellen, yeah. Okay, okay. I don't guess I, I don't remember seeing you in there too much, but I, I've kind of backed out of that a little bit because of where it's starting to get vitalish. <laughs> yeah, it has a tendency to do that. Um, quite honestly, I'm not in the pulp one all okay. that often because okay. I'm in I'm in a lot of other discords, like being gaming the gamer nerd that I am or whatever. Yeah, I I have my own server that a lot of people come to me and ask questions and, and stuff like that, but. Uh, there's all these different leagues and other things that I'm involved in that I end up having to go through those discords, and I don't always end up looking at the pulp one, but I'm in there, and I definitely see uh, what people are saying, and it's not as bad as Mathis paints the pictures, so I think we got to get him in there and see what it's all about. Well, he, he sort of said maybe he'd create an account, but I don't see it happening. How about you, Mason? Do you ever do you do any of that stuff? I'm not. I've been really close to getting on there, but I'm I'm staying away. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to get to a point where I don't blame you. I hate saying that because I, I at first it was really pretty cool, right? It was really tight, and everybody was pulp fans, and no, no bitching and complaining and all that drama. But it's it's starting to shift gears, and everybody expects marks to, uh, you know, kick people off or whatever. And I don't think he wants that headache. That's not why he's part of it. Uh, yeah, hopefully, maybe they get cleared up. I don't understand why people can't just have a good time, but it seems to be impossible. Last top, last little quick thing. Weeds at the end of the show says, at some point in the show anyway, I don't remember when it was. So Chad will be back. Chad Reed, what do you think? What what's your percentage pie, Mason? Chad Reed come back in twenty one. Twenty two percent. Ha Good. Nice answer. Okay, <laughs> that was good. Kellen, you can't use that same answer. Pick another number. Um, I'm gonna say zero percent in twenty one. Okay. And 
seventy percent in twenty-two. Ooh, I, wow. Okay. I think I think Chad does a uh, similar to McGrath-ish farewell tour when fans are at full capacity in the stadium, and he can actually do it on a limited schedule uh, in two thousand twenty-two, which would match his number as well. So nice point. Way to w- wrap up this show. Uh, Pulpamex will be off for two weeks. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Kellen and Mason, thank you so much for being a part of the wrap-up show this week. But I think that's it this week. We're done. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?